from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Carolina and Kansas announced uh, Home and Home, mm-hmm. and they're calling it, I believe, the Battle of the Blue Bloods. They are. Which, like, I could easily describe Carolina, Kentucky. Battle of the Blue Bloods sure. like, isn't specific enough. It needs to be, I don't, uh, uh, I don't know, more specific on, on the answer, please. Uh, the name just doesn't doesn't uh, doesn't eliminate any. It's like a, I played at the University of Delaware. Our, our trophy for our rivalry, right, against Villanova football mm-hmm. was called the Battle of the Blue. I was ah. like, that could, that could literally be anybody. Literally, like, do not many teams out there both have blue as their color? Seems like we could have been more creative with the name. Well, we had the Battle of the Blues here with UNC and Duke, uh, obviously. It, it's It's very, very... Uh, yeah, and actually, we're kind of second rate even to that now that I think of it, uh, which you don't like being the little brother in, in your rivalry. All right, moving on. Uh, UNC <laughs> Kentucky basketball. Um, it's being played uh, De- December 16th. Um, it's a neutral court game. It's a CBS classic. It's going to be exciting, but I know Dennis has some. Uh, it's down in Atlanta. I want these games to be played on campuses. You mentioned how Kansas and UNC are going to play each other. Those are home and home. UNC going to Lawrence, Kansas coming to Chapel Hill. I, I want to see more of those. I think it's actually going to be better in the long term for college basketball when these games, these big-time matchups, take place on college campuses. Or, or even this. I'll, I'll even take it one step further. Um, there are better neutral courts, right? Like, like I don't hate the the uh, season opener for, for Carolina, South Carolina football. Uh, being in Charlotte, right? Because yeah, it's, it's it's a midpoint. It's a midpoint, exactly, and it's a you know uh, a giant. It's an NFL stadium, and it's it's there's other perks there, and it's it right makes, on the border. It makes sense. Uh, Atlanta for Carolina, Kentucky. Yeah. Does it? It doesn't make like you know certain when certain Texas rivalries playing like the Cotton Bowl when uh, yeah. the the uh, what's that? What do they call it? The outdoor cocktail party or whatever it is. Uh, when they're playing in Jacksonville, I think. Yeah, is, world's is, largest cocktail party. Yeah, when Florida and Georgia are playing in – like, that kind of makes sense, right? Because it allows it to be almost like, a you know, if both fans are, you know, seeking tickets at the same rate, it could be like a 50-50 environment, which mm-hmm. is cool. I don't love it when it's like, hey, did you see uh, Carolina and, and um, Arizona are going to play? It's like, no way. Yeah, it's in the Bahamas. It's like, oh. Well, okay. So it's – it's going to be uh, on my couch the same way every – could be played on Mars. I'm going to watch from my recliner, right? It doesn't – watch that. It, actually, on Mars might be more interesting. Um, but, but you know, I just think the locations of it, they play into it, right? They do. And even though it's basketball and it's indoors, it, the, the, the environments matter. They, they, they just do. If for nothing else, the blimp shots when you're going in and out of commercial. Yeah. Right? Showing campus. What are they going to show? Downtown Atlanta? And this is where the Braves play. <laughs> okay. They have nothing to do with either team. The but, Olympics were here. Yeah. And this is where Michael Johnson won the 400-meter dash. Let's get to number four. We are the four horsemen. The Eric Bieniemy yells a lot story has turned into so much more than that. You do, like, I, I want I want everyone involved with the Washington Commanders training camp to understand this, the entirety of this story could have been Eric Bieniemy yells a lot. 
That could have been the whole story. He's intense. There it is. He's a coach that gets fired up and seen. That could have been it. But instead, right, he yells a lot, and it was noteworthy enough that a whole bunch of reporters, beat reporters, uh, a whole bunch of, of people there at camp noted it, tweeted about it. Um, players noted it, didn't like it, and went to Ron Rivera to, to complain about it. Still, all of this happening, the story could have just been, yeah, he's an intense dude. Could have been an anecdote, right? But Ron Rivera then went to the media. And he said, yeah, players came and talked to me about it. I told them to go talk to Biennemi about it. Here's part of what Ron Rivera said. A lot of these young guys, you know, they do struggle with certain certain things. Um, and a lot of you also got to take for where they've been. I mean, guys coming from certain programs are used to it. Guys coming from other programs aren't as much. So, you, you know, us as a coach, you know, I, I kind of have to assimilate and get a feel for everybody. You know, Eric has an approach, and it's the way he does things, and he's not going to change and, and, and because he believes in it. Jack has his approach. You know, um, having been a head coach, I think Jack has a tendency to try and figure guys out a little bit more as opposed to, hey, this is it, this is the way it's going to be, that type of stuff, where Eric Eric hasn't had that 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 uh, that experience yet. And just that when they came to you, it was just they felt like Eric was riding them too hard? or Well, um, they just were a little concerned. Wait a second. How in the world did you turn players came to me to complain about my intense coach with two Super Bowl rings as an offensive coordinator into some kind of an insult where you're comparing him to Jack Del Rio? <laughs> yeah. That, that is some mental gymnastics that Ron Rivera just did there. And it could have ended there. And the story still would have been Eric Bieniemy screams a lot. And then today, Ron Rivera came back and apologized. Pre, pre-written statement. He read it to the media about how he didn't mean to. He put his foot in his mouth. He didn't blah, 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 blah. At any point in time, did they get all the parties involved in a room? At any point in time, did Ron Rivera say, Eric, get in here. Players, get in here. All right, guys, this is the thing. The enemy, he brings the juice. He likes to yell and scream. Hey, Eric, do you mean anything personally when you yell? No? All right, you're just trying to get the best out of him? Cool. Guys, he doesn't mean any per- anything personal about it. He's just trying to get the best out of you. Can we move forward and try to get better at playing football? Do I need to go full elementary school and start assigning peer mediators? Do it. Sam Howell, I know you have a lot to get ready for. You're trying to learn an entire NFL offense and be ready for week one, but could you take an hour out of your day and be a peer mediator for a couple of your teammates that have uh, issues? <laughs> like, like, like it could have just been Eric Bieniemy yells a lot. It's taken the team a while to get used to it. They will. Which, by the way, a whole bunch of people that have played for Bieniemy have come out and said that. Apparently, Jamal Charles went to Andy Reid and said he couldn't stand Eric Bieniemy when Eric Bieniemy became the running backs coach for the Chiefs. When Jamal Charles retired, he credited Eric Bieniemy with supporting and helping him become the type of running back that he became. Do you know what Andy Reid did not do? Run to the media and say, my starting running back is complaining about the new running backs coach. He simply said, yeah, I think he's going to grow on. Right? I know he yells, he delivers his message kind of harsh. Try listening to him. And by all accounts, 
it, the intensity isn't just yelling at you when you do something wrong. It's when you do something yes. great. He's he's giving you praise for that too. So he's being fair with his criticism. Actually, I'm I'm going to bring up which for me as a, as a former coach, I'm like that's that's vital. Like you can't just be all critical or all praise. You have to be fair and honest. Uh, Nikki Jabvala, who covers the team for the Washington Post, okay, uh, put out a tweet along those lines, and I want to read it from her because I thought she put it very well. Um, gosh, there's been a lot of action. Okay, here's what she said. Uh, Biennemi style does need some context. He's very loud, very intense, but also, but he's also the one yelling out great job and acknowledging guys when they get it right. And he's the same way for everyone. Some like it, some don't. That's interesting to me, mm-hmm. right? Because that's important. If you're just always the yelly negative guy, then I would actually say a lot of this is Eric Bieniemy's fault, right? If you then if, it becomes noise. Yeah, then it be, then it becomes oh, you're looking for a fight. You're trying like you see this again. You see this with coaches sometimes that take like youth sports too seriously, where they <laughs> yes. they read a book about or they read a story about like breaking a player down to build them back up, and they just spend way too much time on the breaking down part, and they it just, don't know how to build up, and it just becomes mean, and it just becomes like now you're just you're bullying. Uh, but if you're if if like a you know. If a player doesn't make a play, they make the play incorrectly, they have a mental error, they do something you don't like, you yell and scream and you're mean and you're bleeping, 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 bleeping. Well, when they make the play correctly, bleeping, bleeping, bleeping. Like it's the other kind of bleeping, right? Yeah, bleep, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's the the up, it's the, the major chord bleep rather than the minor chord bleep for my musical people out there. Uh, so it's 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 chaos. It didn't have to be. Could have been kept in-house. Should have been kept in-house. But with Washington... Nothing's ever kept in-house. That apparently hasn't changed with the new ownership, at least not immediately. Maybe it will one day. Let's get to number three. One, two, three. ESPN bet. So yesterday there was a press release uh, that ESPN is partnering with Penn Entertainment, Penn Gaming, to put out a sports book, right? So first of all, um, when... And I, you know, shortly, fingers crossed, uh, sports gambling becomes legal in North Carolina. ESPN bet will likely now be one of the, the, I would assume, one of the 12 licenses awarded for gambling apps, which would mean FanDuel, DraftKings, BetMGM, the ones you see all the commercials for. And now ESPN bet would slot in alongside them. So this is a big ESPN in, you know, for all of its ups and downs that it's faced recently. It's still, those four letters are wildly recognizable in the athletic space. Yeah, they carry weight. They they do. They they carry weight. They carry a certain cosign. They carry a certain dependability, right? They've been on the air 24-hour sports since 19, I think, 79. Like, those things do matter. Um, and now that's being lent to a sports book. Yesterday, we talked about it. Today, I added this. This is going to be wildly controversial. There's going to be think pieces written about why this partnership is not good. There's going to be complaints made by gamblers. There's going to be controversy. In the same way that there was controversy when Sham Sharanya, and and I'm sure many of you remember this, uh, there were odds put out by sports books, including FanDuel, which is uh, in part... Sham Sharanya, who is an NBA insider's employer. He works for FanDuel TV. 
there were odds put out by sports books on who was going to be drafted where in the NBA draft. I think Victor Wembanyama was minus 900 million to be the number one overall pick. I take that bet. Uh, just to, right? I put a dollar down to get a, a hundredth of a penny. Mm-hmm. Why not? Um, and I didn't, that number's not real. I'm just saying that there were odds on all of the, the, the picks. And for most of the pre-draft process, Brandon Miller was the, the far and away favorite to go number two to the Hornets. A day or two before the draft, Sham Sharanya, who again, in part, works for FanDuel TV, put out a tweet that said that the Hornets were considering Scoot Henderson. And the lines moved because Shams has broken some big news in the past, some surprising news in the past. Lines start changing, right? People that trust Shams are now running to make bets before the lines move. They're going, oh, everybody else thinks it's Miller, but Shams, he's got the in. Scoot. It was Brandon Miller. The lines moved. The people put their money down. They lost their money. The lines shouldn't have moved. It was Brandon Miller. Adrian Wojnarowski, another NBA insider for ESPN, immediately went, uh, it was always Brandon Miller. There was never any movement. Nobody ever reconsidered it. Everyone I know, meaning Adrian Wojnarowski, in the the Hornets facility was always Brandon Miller. And then the accusations started. And then the questions started. Did Sham Sharanya just sell us a story to get us to go bet a bunch of money on Scoot Henderson, thus basically just writing checks to FanDuel, his employer. Now, I'm not accusing Shams of doing anything. I don't know Shams like that, and maybe he had a report. Maybe he was duped, right? Maybe someone in the Hornets decided to mess with him. Maybe. You don't know the background. You don't know that. But the thing is, just the relationship between an insider, a reporter, right, a content creator, and a sports book looks a little I don't know. Right? It's one thing you could be a content you could be a betting content and work for FanDuel, right? Mm-hmm. You want to tell you, hey, this bet is good, this bet is bad. That's but to be an insider and leverage the information you know and the information you tell us, that's a little different. And guess what ESPN has? A whole bunch of insiders, a whole bunch of reporters, a whole bu- like imagine this. Adam Schefter works for ESPN. He gets some information. He knows if he puts it out, the whole betting market of a certain market is going to move. For example, uh, do you remember when uh, Adam Schefter reported before anybody that Tom Brady was going to retire? Yes. Why do you think he chose when to report that? Could Could it appear as if Maybe he wanted people to go bet against the Buccaneers. Tom Brady's retiring. Oh, all they have is Kyle Trask. Oh, hammer the under on wins. Hammer the under on wins. Mm-hmm. Then Tom Brady unretires or doesn't retire. Wait a second. I just bet all my money on the Patriots not to win. Now they have Tom Brady coming back. Oh, no. Adam Schefter, did you do this? So I'd go bet on ESPN bet. Those questions are all going to be asked. And again, it doesn't have to act, doesn't have to actually be nefarious. It doesn't have to actually have ill intent. They don't have to actually be reporting things to move lines. It's just when it happens that way, it's going to appear as if something bad is happening. And sometimes the appearance is, you know, PR public perception is reality. It's gonna be it's gonna get uglier before it gets better. If it gets better. Or it's gonna get better and then at times it's gonna be ugly would be the better way to put that. 
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Let's get to number two. Just the two of us. Joint practices. Yes. Joint practices. Joint practices. I like uh, joint practices. Sorry, there, there's a just know there's a tweet that's going to come up in number one that is very interesting. Oh, okay. Uh, joint practices between the Panthers and the Jets. They're taking place t- today. They took place today, this morning. They'll take place tomorrow. Right now, there's real learning happening with the Panthers. Real learning. I hope someone somewhere, multiple, are watching the film from today's practice. It's the most valuable film they've had in camp thus far. The two-minute drills, of which Chris Lee, who, who uh, works for WRAL, also co-host of the Panthers playbook podcast. Check it out everywhere. Podcasts can be shown or can be heard. Uh, where Chris Lee was on the show earlier today and um, he brought up the two minute drills at the end of practice. Did it kind of felt like the way he described it, like the entire practice was culminating in these two minute drills, right? They get the ones on the field. They, they the, everybody kind of gathers around uh, hoots and hollers and all the like. And, uh, Every quarterback got one, right? It was it was Bryce Young got a two-minute drill. Aaron Rodgers got a two-minute drill. Andy Dalton got a two-minute drill. Zach Wilson got a two-minute drill. Only one of those four ended in points. Bryce Young's two-minute drill. So, and by the uh, uh, field goal also, right? So it wasn't perfect. Those drives, so valuable to the learning process. Mm-hmm. So valuable. They're, they're as game-like a situation as you're going to get Wear your quarterbacks in a non-contact jersey, which every coach would keep them in a non-contact jersey if they could. I actually wouldn't be surprised if in the not-too-distant future, like preseason, like the first two quarters are non-contact quarterback jerseys. Uh, and in the second half, the, the defensive ends can go get sacks. Um, it's important. They matter. Joint practices. Sounds like they went well for the, the Panthers. I hope they learned a lot. Let's get to number one. SMU has been added to the rumored teams that the ACC is considering to add. That's SMU, Stanford, and Cal have now been added. The <laughs> the rumor sounder. I like. Here's the interesting part. Brett McMurphy of uh, Action Network, and actually the original reporting was done by Larry Williams of Tiger Illustrated, which is of the Rivals Network of uh, covering Clemson, have reported that Notre Dame is pushing hard for the ACC to add Stanford and Cal. The part that really, really gets me uh, riled up a little bit is... Larry Williams calls Notre Dame a full voting member of the ACC. Why would Notre Dame be given full voting member status if they're not a full member? They don't they're not a full football member of the they're independent in football. Now they get to vote whether Stanford football gets to come benefit from the ACC media rights. 
They get to decide whether Cal gets to play, uh, you know, at Carter Finley against NC State on a premier matchup. The I, I started today's show, and I'm going to say this again, saying the ACC needs to find their inner bully. Yeah. Right? They need to – Yeah, have you ever seen – you've seen Dodgeball. Of course. You know uh, the guy with the goggles? He's got to get mad. Got to get mean. Get, yeah, you got to get mean. He starts seeing David Hasselhoff flirting with his wife in the, the stands, and then he gets mean, and he gets mad, and he goes out and he plays the best dodgeball of his life. The ACC needs to get mean like that guy from Dodgeball. They need to get mad. They need to stop getting pushed around. Notre Dame is not going to join your conference in football. Why would they? So don't let them push you around into bringing in Stanford and Cal. Don't even hear their argument. If you want to bring in Stanford and Cal for your own reasons, look at Stanford and Cal and give them a list of demands. For five years, you're getting a 50% share of media rights. You're going to play more away conference games than home conference games because in every sport except football because we don't want to have to pay for, for swimming and diving and tennis and golf and, and, and baseball and softball and volleyball to have to go all the way out to California a whole bunch of times. These are our list of demands. We don't need you. And Notre Dame, if you want them, become a member and we might listen to you. If you're pushing hard for Stanford and Cal to get in, guess what? We'll bring them in on the condition you're a full-time football member, and if that's not the case, sit in the corner with the other half members. Oh, wait, we don't have any. Sit by yourself. Like, like you got to get angry or else you're going to get pushed around. I, 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 I hate to use this, this analogy. Sometimes on the recess field, you got to punch the biggest, baddest kid on the block just to get some respect. Yeah, it happens. The ACC needs to to get in a fight just to show you're not afraid of a fight. Notre Dame, a full voting member of the ACC. Like, why in the world would Notre Dame become a member of the ACC if they have all the rights of a full member and yet they they aren't? Right, you're giving them the milk without they have never bought the cow. So why would they buy the cow? They're throwing around their weight like they're they're you know Clemson, Carolina, NC State, Florida State, like they're the 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 you know most valuable entities in the ACC. They're not even they're not even a full time member. I, I, and, and like, I need to hear more from Clemson. I need to hear. I love that Bubba Cunningham, North Carolina's athletic director came right here on this network. He joined the Adam gold show on 99, nine and, and didn't mince words. Right. He said, he said Florida state, he called them barking. Right. He said, they, if you want to go pay the exit fee, like somebody in the Atlantic coast conference at some point, has to start acting like they're the Atlantic Coast Conference. You're not the Mountain West, right? The Mountain West right now is is going up to, to Washington State, Oregon State, Stanford, Cal, and saying, please, 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 please. 
right? If it, Notre Dame isn't even a part of the Mountain West, but if they looked at the Mountain West and said jump, Mountain West would say, how high, Mr. and Mrs. Notre Dame? Like, they would just kowtow. Oh, yeah. You're the Atlantic Coast Conference. You don't do that. Clemson has won two national titles in the most important sport in the last whatever it's been, six years. When's the last time like a like a big Big Twelve school won a national championship? It's been a while, right? Act like you're above it. The Big Ten doesn't win a whole bunch of. I mean, Ohio State was probably the last one, right? Mm-hmm. Don't just don't like it's it's very frustrating to me that amongst all this realignment stuff, it feels like the you know there's there's a uh, senior partners and junior partners. And they're coming up like they, they just got a new office and they're like, oh, who wants the corner office? And and the ACC is like, oh, well, if you would like it, Mr. SEC, go right ahead. And I'm going like, no, if you want the corner office, start wheeling your desk chair into the office and saying, this is mine. I'm going to put my feet up. Yep. Well, Notre Dame, would it be okay if I took the corner office? You work from home most days anyway. Right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point. Notre Dame is sitting there going, I want the corner office. They're like, you're not even here. You don't work here. You work from home. You're not getting the corner office. It's it's unbelievable. It's very frustrating to me. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Realignment. Realignment. It's happening as we speak, and it's not happening as we speak, and it's happening everywhere and nowhere. Believe nothing, trust everything. What do they say? Believe uh, nothing of what you hear and 50% of what you see? Something like that, yeah. Greg Sankey told Paul Feinbaum, Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, told Paul Feinbaum uh, that the SEC is in an, in an enormously healthy place and not in the middle of movement efforts. Hmm. I mean, they're definitely in a healthy place. True. That is a fact. The middle of movement efforts. What does that even mean, first of all? I know you're trying to make it seem like you're not looking to expand. Uh, I don't believe you. Yeah. If an ACC team becomes available and is desirable for the SEC, Sankey will pounce. Don't don't let him you know, put on some puppy dog eyes and make you think that it, he's not some kind of predator out there to scour the, the college football universe for more power and more prestige and more eyeballs and more media rights. That's what everybody's out there for. And even more so, uh, the ruthless nature of this conference realignment is nobody, and I've said this a few times, nobody is out for the health of the future of college football. Some are out for the health of the future of their conference. And some are out for the health of their future individually only. Right? That state. Florida State. <clears throat> Florida State. <clears throat> Florida State. Um, 
the SEC does feel like they're interested, the SEC teams are interested in the health of the future of the SEC. But they are not worried about the future of college football. They're not worried about the future of other conferences. They're not worried about anything but the SEC. So if a a team becomes available, even if the SEC is like, we're good, right? We have 16 great teams. We don't need it. Our media rights deal is great. We're, we're living large, right? We're uh, safe. If a team becomes available that the Big Ten would benefit from, don't hold it against, or don't, not, not don't hold it against, don't be surprised when the SEC brings them in for no purpose other than keeping them from the Big Ten. If Florida State pulls off the incredible, pulls off the impossible, and somehow gets out of the ACC media rights deal, and they're now a free agent looking for a, a conference, I don't think the SEC needs them. Right? They have Florida. Yeah. They have Georgia. They kind of got that, you know, section of the country pretty well sequestered off. Right? They they have some premier brands there. I don't think they need Florida State. But guess what? The Big Ten doesn't have a reach into the South. No, they don't. And I think they would very much like to have a reach into the South for recruiting purposes and television purposes. That's a big thing is that it it opens the door up both ways. Mm -hmm. So, for example, Florida State, they could see a kid that's from Ohio, possibly. That's a four- or five-star recruit. Hey, come down here where it's not so cold all the time. But every other year you'll still get to play at Ohio State. But you're going to play multiple games in your region, like within a tank of gas of your parents. Exactly. So that's a a big-time draw. So for all those reasons why it would benefit the Big Ten to have a school like Florida State, the SEC might say, yeah, we'll take you. What do you want? What's the offer? We'll top it. Right? That's the kind of ruthlessness that you should expect from everyone in this entire environment right now. Greg Sankey talking about not feeling so great. This is a clip we're about to play of him not feeling so great about so much shakeup and what's happened to some other places in college football. I will find publicly that I think the, the speculation and some of the pronouncements we've seen since that time about growth or directional growth uh, is problematic. And, and even for me, uh, with the security of the Southeastern Conference, whether it was Friday afternoon or through the day Saturday fielding phone calls, which really were more conversations, what do you think's happening? There's nobody calling me seeking or demanding entry, a lot of commentary publicly. You know, it just wasn't one of those great feelings to work in college sports in in my experience. And again, I take responsibility where we've made moves, but there was something different last week about really the still questions around the existence of the Pac-12 conference, given its its long and storied history. You take responsibility because you've made moves. You mean the moves that directly led to everything that happened in the last week that you feel so badly about? You're, you're, you, you took the food off of the Big 12's plate when you took Texas and Oklahoma, and you're going to act like the Big 12 going and hunting isn't your fault? Yeah. They would have been fed if you didn't take their food. They wouldn't have had to go out and hunt in the Pac-12. You did it two years ago. Here's the, here's the I did some research on Greg Sankey. I wanted to see what made this guy tick. Right? Said, All right, as the SEC commissioner, he's saying some things. I needed to know if I should believe him. I needed to know. Right, you got to know how to how to handle your enemies. Greg Sankey started his college career in college or started his career in college athletics. There we go. 
as the director of intramural sports at Utica College. Yeah, upstate New York. Shout out. <laughs> Utica College. Yeah. As recently as 1992, he was the golf coach at Northwestern State University. Hmm. That's not Northwestern. That's not like the Big Ten Northwestern, the, the embroiled in the Pat Fitzgerald hazing situation Northwestern. That is Northwestern State, which is in Nachitochis, Louisiana. And I might be Nachitochis, could be. Nachitochis, Louisiana. My point is, it's Northwestern State in, a, in, in Louisiana. He was the golf coach there as recently as 92. And he worked his way all the way up from that to being the most powerful person in college athletics. Right right now, if you hold the power of the SEC at your disposal, if you're wielding that saber, there's not many, if any, people that can influence change in college sports more than you. You think this guy isn't some kind of I might step on you to get my ambitions out of the way move? Like that's, yes, that's, yes. That's the answer to that question. Yes. He's cutthroat. You don't think he'll look you in your eye, Paul Feinbaum, and say, we are in an enormously healthy healthy place and not in the middle of movement efforts while in the middle of movement efforts? You don't think if he if, if he thinks it's in the best interest of the SEC and thus himself, he would sit there and while like his phone is vibrating with texts from, I don't like board of trustees members at schools all over the country. He wouldn't be sitting there going silence, silence, silence. No, we're not thinking about expanding. If the, if the, it makes sense for the SEC, it'll happen if they can make it happen. So don't ever let your guard down. Don't invite the wolf into the hen house. No matter how many times it looks at you and says, I'm not hungry. I just ate. Don't do it. The ACC is is right in the middle, right, of of a billion rumors. The Stanford Cal, the SMU, uh, Notre Dame's always in the mix somehow. There's there's all of this going on, right? It's it's the SEC right now is is Troy Polamalu. Uh huh. When you're the quarterback and you step to the line of scrimmage, sure, you might see Joey Porter blitzing off the edge. You might see Lamar Woodley, right? You Oh, look at this. We have James Harrison uh, on, on the line. Mm-hmm. But you better always know where Troy, Troy Polamalu is. That's the SEC. You might be focused on other things right now, but, but where's the guy with the hair from the Head & Shoulders commercials? Because you just got to know where he is. That's the SEC. Even if, it like, the disguise, right? Oh, he's 15 yards off the line of scrimmage. He can't possibly blitz. You would think that, wouldn't you? <laughs> Until you're in the middle of your cadence and somehow he knows your your snap count and he's flying downhill, hurtling over the center and hitting you before you even get the ball. You got to know where Greg Sankey is. You have to know what he's doing. You have to know what the SEC's goals are because everything else could be a disguise. Everything else. Maybe likely is a disguise. So consider yourself warned. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, 
which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.